The lead singer for that band, the guy who wrote these lyrics, his name is Dan Reynolds, and somebody asked him, what does that song mean? You probably asked that question too, right? Like, I'm a little scared of that song. What does that mean to be radioactive? What's that all about? Well, here's what he said. He said this, generally speaking, it's a song about having an awakening, kind of waking up one day and deciding to do something new and see life in a fresh way. And so my question for you tonight is, what if that's exactly what you need? What if you need an awakening? What if you need a fresh way to see life and do life? What if you actually need this in the most important area of your life? You see, there's all different types of areas of our lives, all different things we think about. There's all different areas of our lives we give attention to and focus to. But what if really what you need in your life is actually a spiritual awakening, a fresh way of looking at maybe God, a relationship with him, what that even means, what that even looks like. See, you think maybe some of you guys came tonight and a friend invited you and you hadn't been at church in a really long time. And it's because maybe some people really, really treated you wrong and they said they were followers of God. Maybe you came in tonight and, again, a friend brought you and you've just been angry at God because of this or that. You, you asked him for one thing, he did something else. You, you thought he was going to show up in one way and it seems like he didn't answer at all. Maybe some of you, you know, you grew up in church or your parents kind of dragged you there or you went to Catholic school or Christian school or whatever it might be and you kind of have a, a head full of knowledge but it never really clicked in your heart like this, this idea that God could actually love you and want a relationship with you and what does that, again, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know how you came in tonight. Maybe you have a relationship with God. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think God's there. Maybe you, you don't think he is. But however you may have come in tonight, I just want to, take a few minutes and talk about maybe this fresh way of thinking, like this song we just heard talked about. And so tonight, here's what I want to do. I want to kind of break us into a few different types of groups. And I really, I'm going to put you in your, I'm going to have you put yourself in your own group, okay? And so you have to decide which group you belong to. Maybe you belong to the group that doesn't believe in God. And I already said that we have some resources we would love to give you. And we actually spend a lot of time here talking to that specific group, talking about, man, the evidence that there is that shows us that maybe Jesus and all this stuff about him could actually be true. And so like I said, there are resources in the lobby we'd love to give you. I would love to talk with any of you guys that may be working through some of that tonight because that's a really important thing to work through. So maybe that's the group you're in. But I think there are some other groups and these other two groups are the groups that I really want to focus on tonight. You see, I think one of the groups you might find yourself in tonight, if you'd say, ah, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I don't know if I buy this stuff. I think one of the groups you might find yourself in is the group that just says, I don't really think salvation is necessary. You know, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, you know, I, pr- I pretty much do a good job at life. I, I, I may mess up, but then I fix it. You know, I, I balance things out. I, I, I may do something wrong, but then I kind of make sure I go and do something right that maybe feels even bigger and better or stronger or more, more powerful if there is an eternity, like it would get me where I want to go, where I want to be. You people are, are just kind of all about balancing things out and doing the right thing. You know what? I can relate to you if you're that kind of person because I grew up largely that kind of person. I grew up as somebody who would say, all right, If I'm going to mess up, I'm going to make it right. If I'm going to do the wrong thing, I'm going to go ahead and try to do the right thing. I'm going to try to, you know, make sure that I never do that again. I never walk down that road again. I learn from it and I try to learn from other people's mistakes. And and I really thought I was just a really, really, really good person. And when I messed up, I would discipline myself. I would punish myself and I would get all the better for it for next time. But you know what? The, The faulty way of thinking that eventually comes up is, What if I'm just not balancing it out enough, though? 
Like, what if I'm trying to balance things out? If there's this, like, eternal scorecard that God's keeping up there in heaven, if he's even there, and he's saying, okay, there's one for Doug. No, no, he messed that one up. Let's scratch that one off. And what if I'm just not getting it right? What if I'm not balancing it out enough? And so maybe you're here tonight going, yeah, I don't know if I believe in salvation because I just don't think it's necessary. I think I'm, I'm pretty much a good enough person. See, I think that might just be a faulty way of thinking. And I'm here saying, hey, I've thought that way. Okay, so I'm no better than anybody here tonight. Then there's the other group, and the other group is this group. You don't think salvation is offered to you. You might think it's necessary, but you just don't think it's offered to you because you've done too many wrong things. You've done too many things in your life, and you kind of feel like that just rules you out. And so let's say I I was taking the goody-two-shoes approach to earn from God and get myself where I thought I wanted to be if there is an eternity. Then I'll give you another example. It's Pastor Bravone, actually the guy we're going to be celebrating in, in, uh, in a couple months. And, and the guy who planted this church and has been here for over 35 years, he gave me permission to tell you that there was a time in his life he wasn't a pastor and he wasn't a Christian. And in fact, he was as far from God as one could ever get. He was running from God and he was just doing what felt good. He grew up in Catholic school and Catholic church and just tried the rules and tried the religion and it didn't, didn't work for him. And so he ended up just jumping straight into drugs and basically live to be high. That was his answer to life. I'm just going to get high and then I'm going to get high again and I'm going to get high again. And it had terrible effects on his physical body, on his marriage. His marriage began to fall apart. And so in that point of Pastor Ravone's life, if you had said, hey, let's talk salvation. Let's talk about the fact that maybe God sent his son to die for you and rise back from the dead. You know what his answer would have been? I don't think that's offered to me. I've ruled myself out. You know how I live? I don't think God wants anything to do for me. I think salvation's for the good people. So isn't this interesting? You have the good people saying, I don't need the salvation. You have the bad people saying, I think salvation's for the other group. And so both groups rule themselves out. But what if, what if Pastor Bravone and I were both equally lost? What if I was lost in my idea of goodness and he was lost in his idea of badness? And what if we both needed saving? See, some of you guys came in tonight thinking salvation is not necessary, and some of you came in thinking salvation is not available. But what if we need a fresh way of looking at things tonight? What if we need an awakening? What if we need to look a little deeper? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this guy named Paul. There was a guy named Paul, and, and he had some friends in a place called Rome. And this guy named Paul, actually, before he was a Christian, was kind of in both groups. So he can relate to you no matter what group you might be in. If you'd say, hey, I'm the goody tissues and I don't need salvation or salvation is not offered to me. He really was in both groups at the same time because here was his deal. As far as trying to keep the law, like God gave the law to Moses and you got the commandments and you have all these things, right? This guy, Paul, thought he was keeping the law perfectly. He thought he was great. He thought he was impressing God. He thought God was up there going, that's my boy Paul down there. That's right. And, And he thought he was it, right? But at the same time, he was fine with somebody getting executed just because they didn't believe like him. Paul's own words, I was approving of people's death who believed in this man named Jesus. And so you got on the one hand a murderer, and the other hand the squeaky clean guy who thinks he's perfectly living by God's law. And man, if there's a heaven, Paul thinks he's headed there on his own merit. And yet if there's a heaven, Paul may have wondered once in a while, man, I'm here killing people. I'm here approving of people's death just because they simply don't believe like me. And so Paul really fit into both groups. And and eventually Paul has this amazing experience and becomes a follower of Jesus. And and he starts to help others in these two groups discover some of the things that he 
had discovered. And so he wrote this, this letter to his friends in Rome. And you go, why are there chapters and verses in a letter? Well, Paul didn't put the chapters and verses there. Okay, they were, he, It was just a nice little letter to his buddies in Rome about his experiences with God and who they were and what God could do in their life. And then later on, people added the chapters and verses to help us out know where to look. And so I hope you know where to look right now. We're going to look at Romans chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 10. And, and here's what Paul says, okay? It's going to seem highly offensive, but just hang with me. Don't run out, all right? As it is written, so Paul's quoting some other scripture, okay? There's no one righteous, not even one. So group one, don't throw anything at me, chill out. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've, they have be, uh, I'm sorry, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So if you're in, your, you're in group one, you're going, wait, don't tell me I'm not good. Don't tell me I'm not right. Just say, hey, this is me talking to the younger me right here because I thought I was good, right? Don't tell me I, I, I don't have righteousness of my own. Don't, don't tell me I'm not a good person in and of myself. Like I said earlier, man, I, I do something wrong. I try and balance it out. You know, I, I say a bad word. I talk to the annoying guy at work. Everybody else ignores. You know, I'm trying to balance things out a little bit. You know? And so balance is a big deal to me. You know, I don't know if anybody's like me. Any of you guys have some OCD tendencies? I do. I definitely do. Um, you guys remember when this used to be our set? If you've been around for a while, you guys can check out this picture here. This is what our set used to look like back in the day. Um, we had these pillars. And you see how they're all symmetrically aligned, right? Okay, if you guys remember that setup, up. Um, we set them up in a couple different ways, but they were always perfectly symmetrical. They were always balanced. Uh, when we decided to change our set, we gave those pillars to our buddies out at Genesis Church. And I was recently looking at a picture of how they use them, and I actually had to, to, to look away. I had to look away because they're all unsymmetrical. It's driving me insane. It's like two talls, a short, a tall, two mediums. A short. It just drove me nuts. Like Pastor Roger, my, my friend over there, Genesis, he's going to get a call from the cops in the middle of the night one night. They'd be like, oh, Pastor Roger, someone broke into your building. He'd be like, oh, what was stolen? No, it's just some ball guy there rearranging your pillars. You know, like I, because I'm all about balance. It's nothing against Genesis Church. It's just that my balance issues keep me from being artsy. Genesis Church is just way cooler and more artsy than me. I'm always trying to balance things out. And you know what? Some of us have the same approach to God. You know what I can tell you? Because this is me. Ready? I can tell you this about being that person who has to always have things balanced and perfect like that. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And some of you, just like me, Living your life, always trying to balance things out, always wondering, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Do I have things right? Have things balanced back out? Okay, I did these things wrong. Now I'm going to do these things right. We're trying to balance things out. And here's Paul. Paul's just basically blowing that whole philosophy apart. He's saying, look, I know you think you're good. I know you think you balance things out well. I know you, you think when you do the wrong thing, then you do the right thing, and everything's good before God or, or whoever you think the higher being might be. But I'm just telling you, Paul goes, look, I'm just telling you, as somebody who thought I was squeaky clean, no one is right. No one is good before God. And so that's group one, hearing that. Now group two, hears that no one's good, no one's right, no one seeks God. And they go, that's right. I don't seek God. That's why he doesn't want me. That's why he doesn't want me. Right? Your friend invited you to come tonight. You're like, I'm not going to a church, man. I'm going to get struck by lightning. I'm going to burst into flames when I walk in the door. In fact, when you walked in, you saw the fog. You said, see, the fire started. Right? Here I am. I, I told you this was going to happen, right? And you ran, at, you ran back out, okay? Because you know, you, you know you're not righteous, but you think that's the thing that rules you out from a relationship with God. 
Well, let's keep going here. Unfortunately, it gets worse before it gets better. Hang with me. Verse 13, Paul begins to describe all of us as humans. He's not putting anybody down. All of us as humans. Verse 13, their throats are open graves. That's pretty graphic. What's he saying? Somebody who's just living life, as they open their mouth, death's going to follow. Death's going to follow. And he gives us some examples here. Their tongues practice deceit. I'll just ask you some questions. Don't raise your hand. You ready? And I'm in on this too. I will raise my hand, all right? Did you ever lie? Yes. Now the first group says, yes, I lie, but I balance things out. The second group says, yes, I lie. That's why God doesn't want me. Next one, the poison of vipers is on their lips. What is Paul saying there? He's saying, you know, sometimes just like gossip or lying or these different types of things our mouths produce, they're they're just as deadly as, as poison from a viper. So did you ever... You ever you know, say something about somebody you shouldn't have said? You ever gossip about somebody? Yes. First group goes, that's all right, but I balanced it out. Second group goes, yeah, but that's why God doesn't want me. Verse 14, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Ever cursed or spoken bitter words? Yes. First group goes, yeah, but I balanced it out. Second group goes, eh, that's why God doesn't want me. Verse 15, now I can't raise my hand on this one. Their feet are swift to shed blood. <laughs> Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. Okay, so I don't raise my hand yet. You're all nervous now, right? Whoa, this guy's really messed up. All right, I didn't raise my hand yet. And here's why I didn't raise it yet is because Jesus comes along. You know what he says? He says, all right, so you think you're good because he didn't ever kill anybody? Well, let me ask you this. Did you ever think about killing somebody? Ooh, a little nervous. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, right? Because we all know in the moment, I mean, we didn't go out and like buy a rope maybe, right? Or get some arsenic or anything, right? But, but we know there's been moments in our heart where the anger and the rage has gotten to the level where it's almost like, oh man, I'm thinking about this right now, right? Now you might be thinking, wait, Doug, you are telling me that Jesus expects me not even to think a murderous thought. And he even went on, he said, a lustful thought. Oh, you're all proud because you didn't commit adultery. Guess what? If you thought a lustful thought, it's just as if you did it. You're going, Doug, that's an impossible, listen, impossible standard to live up to. Exactly. Yes. It's an impossible standard to live up to. Maybe someone has to come live it for us. Maybe someone has to come who is perfect and can live the life that I could never live give his life for me and take my place but more to come on that next says verse 18 there's no fear of god before their eyes now this word fear doesn't mean you see god or you see um, something that god does and you get scared or fearful it means revere so you look at what god does has done and you go wow and you're amazed at him and paul says you know what People, they, they, they just they have no revere or wow factor when they see what God can do. And so group one would say, yeah, man, I've, I've, I've looked at what God could do. And, you know, I, I just feel like I, I can do it. I feel like I can do what he can do. And so I don't need him. And group two would go, I've looked at God, but it kind of seems a little boring. kind of seems a little bit dated. And, you know, so I'm just going to try and find satisfaction and fulfillment in some other areas. And we become disappointed, don't we? Because we go down those roads and, we never find the real wow, right? If you're in group two, you've been searching. You've been looking for the wow your whole life. And while the Bible says that sin may be fun for a season, it always disappoints. You never get that true fulfillment 
that true wow that I believe God can offer. Now look at this. This is important. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, and remember, we're not talking about the law of Suffolk County or New York State, whatever God's law that was given to Moses, Old Testament, old school here, right? Whatever that law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable. Listen to verse 20. Therefore, this is so important, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Now, that's a little confusing, but basically here is what Paul's trying to tell his friends in Rome. He's saying, look, if you're trying to earn God's approval or eternity or heaven or whatever you want to call it right now, if you're trying to get there by checking off, yes, I, I obeyed my parents today, sweet. Moses told me I should do that, I'm going to do that. Uh, I didn't lust, I didn't steal, I didn't lie. Oh, I did steal, so I'm going to balance it out with this, and I'm going to make a sacrifice and do this. Here, what Paul's trying to say is, look, no one is declared righteous or right with God by checking off those lists. No one is able to do that perfectly. Look at what Tom Constable said. I love what he says here. The purpose of the law was not to provide people with a series of steps that would lead them to heaven. It was to expose their inability to merit heaven. So if you're in group one and you're thinking, I don't need salvation, I just hope, man, I hope so much you're starting to see maybe you do need salvation. And if you're in group two and you're thinking, yeah, but my performance isn't up to par, so I'm never going to get salvation, I hope you're seeing it's not about your ability. It was to expose our inability. The law was given to Moses so you and I would look at it and go, I can't keep that. I hope, some, I hope somebody does. I hope somebody can do something for me that I can't do for myself. Then he goes on a little bit more, and I love this. Verse 21, but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known. A rightness with God apart from keeping all the rules and apart from keeping the law has been made known. Just think, just think. If this is true for group one, the do-gooders, the earners, the performers, if it's true that you can be right with God apart from keeping rules, what a relief. What a relief. You could take a deep breath. It's not about your performance. For group two, if this is true, if there's a way to be right with God apart from keeping rules, it's time for you to take a deep breath because that means your sin, your wrong, the things you've done in the past don't rule you out from salvation and a relationship with God. He goes on, he says, to which the law and the prophets testify in verse 22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So those who put their faith in Jesus, they're the ones who are right with God. It's not about an earning or a doing or a performance or being ruled out because of a lack of any of those things. It's all about a trust in Jesus. Now, if you're here tonight going, Doug, I hear what you're saying, but if I'm hearing you right, you're saying I'm supposed to put my faith and trust in Jesus, and then one day when I die, I'm going to wake up, and then at that moment, I'll know if this is all true or not. So, you're, you know, some of you guys are going, I got another 50, 60 years. Some of you guys are going, I got another 20, 30, 40 years here of just hoping that this is true. But the amazing thing about a relationship with Jesus 
is that when you begin this relationship with Jesus, he begins to do things in your life that prove to you here and now, this is true. This is real. I mean, the evidence CD set may help you. I hope it does and give you some answers from history and all kinds of things 2,000 years ago. But I'll tell you what, the best evidence that this is true is that when you put your faith in Jesus and his sacrifice for you, that he begins to work on the inside. And for all of us who have been trying, even those in group one, you've been trying to conquer certain things in your life, and suddenly when you just stop the trying and you start the trusting, God begins to work on those things you haven't been able to conquer. And those of you in group two, you're going, hey man, I love salvation, but I'm so addicted to porn, or I'm so addicted to sex, or I'm so addicted to alcohol or drugs, or I'm just so addicted to my way of life and and just doing what I want when I want. I can't even imagine what it would be like to try to get right with God. Here's the beauty of it. You don't try to get right with God. He makes you right with him. And then he begins to work on the issues of your heart and my heart. And so we see here this amazing rightness that comes through trusting. My wife and I were at my um, sister-in-law's house today for lunch after church this morning and and our kids are jumping in the pool and being maniacs and going down the slide and all that fun stuff. And, and Kelly was too, and no, I'm kidding. And, uh, and so we're sitting there, and we, we both were sitting in these really nice outside chairs, and there was this awesome bench in front of us, and we both had our feet up on the bench. And here's what I can tell you. That is a picture right there, what we were doing, sitting on those pieces of furniture of complete and total trust. We were just sitting back, relying On those pieces of furniture, they had us, they were comfortable, they were going to carry us, there was no issue. If you're trying to get an an image of what trust looks like, what faith looks like, how do I trust in Jesus? How do I have faith in Jesus? It's about resting in him like that. It's about saying, okay, I'm just going to kick my feet up for a while. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to let you carry me. I've been trying to perform, I've been trying to change, I'm in group one and I'm always trying to do the right thing or I'm group two and I'm trying to stop doing the wrong thing. But no, it's this new, I'm going to sit, I'm going to kick my feet up, and I'm going to trust in someone else. Trust in him that he is able, that he's performed so I don't have to, that he has carried me. Then he goes on, says, there's no difference, and this is so important to understand, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is why group one, we can't save ourselves. And this is why group two, this is great news for you. Because you're not ruled out. All of us have sinned and fall short of this standard of perfection that God is. My dad is six foot eight. He's a beast. He's a monster. He's a a gargantuan thing. And I can tell you this. Going through middle school, I was getting taller. I was getting taller. And all my coaches are going, Doug, Doug, Doug. They're just cheering me on. Like, no, my dad. Doug, he's going to be 7'10". You know, like, you know, he's just so, they're so excited. And I was about this height in seventh grade, okay? Actually, I was taller because I had hair, so you had an inch or two, right? And so I was about this height, and everyone's, yes, Doug's going to be a giant. It's going to be great. And you know what? I, my dad, he could slam dunk. I mean, he hit his elbow on the rim. I mean, not just, like, kind of dunk. I mean, just, ugh, he'd, like, have vacations in the rim, you know? And, and then there's me, and, and I'd bounce the ball, and I'd run up, and I'd, like, try to slam dunk, and I'd just graze the ball against the bottom of the net, you know? Like, yes, I got the net today, you know? And you know, I could have hung myself upside down, slept like a bat. I could have gone on stretching machines, you know. I could have done everything. I was trying to get bigger and better and, 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 you know, live up to the height, which is my dad. And I fell short. 
And there's nothing I could have done to change that. And the same is true when it comes to our our Heavenly Father. His standard, His level is perfection. Now here's the amazing thing about this. He doesn't look down on us because we fall short. He doesn't fall down on us because we look short. That's not the only verse in the Bible. All of sin, fall short of glory, God, that's it, close it, and good luck. Now see, it goes on. Look at this. Verse 24. We fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Freely. Redeemed. We just did a whole series on what it means to be redeemed. It means you're bought back. You weren't bought back by God sitting up in heaven going, it'd be really cool to have him, have her. Just buy them back. I just decide to buy them back or I'll send some kind of representative. Or No, he said, all right, it's going to take the life of my son. In fact, look at the next verse. God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. I love this quote from John Stott. Listen to this. The essence of sin is we human beings substituting ourselves for God. So sin, this is what sin is. I'll just explain this. It's when I decide I'm going to put myself in God's spot. I'm going to put myself in God's spot. He says, don't do this or don't do that because he loves me and he wants to protect me and he wants to save me pain and grief. But I know better than him. I'm going to become God now and decide what's right for me and good for me. So that's what sin is really all about. Listen to this. While the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. So here I am saying, hey, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to jump in his spot and God's going, how about I come and humble myself and I take your spot Look at this. We put ourselves where only God deserves to be and he put himself where we deserve to be. See, that is what this is all about. That's why tonight a bunch of us can sing songs of love to God and we can raise our hands up and say, God, I, I thank you. I want to be as close to you as I possibly can be. That's why we can, we can get excited. That's why we can come to a church that's passionate And it's about love and it's about a person, not a set of rules or a religion. Verse 28, last verse we're going to read. For we maintain that a man and woman are justified by faith apart from observing the law. If you came in tonight and you're in group one, your salvation is not you. My salvation was not me. Is a person named Jesus, a living person who, when you put your faith and trust in him, when you rest in him, when you let him carry the weight of your life and eternity, he begins to show up here and now, not on the other side, not when you open your eyes, oh, wow, it was true, or, oh, man, I'm so disappointed it wasn't true. No, here and now, he begins to do the amazing work in our lives to show us and convince us that, yes, I am alive. Yes, I am here. Yes, I hear your prayers. Yes, I'm with you. Yes, I'll give you a peace you've never known, a love you've never known. I'll start working on those things you've been trying to fix yourself for years. If you just rest in me, if you just trust in me, if you just learn to stop trying to accomplish on your own. That's group one. And group two, you're not ruled out. All of us fall short. If you, I don't know if you know who Billy Graham is, but he's like probably the most like amazing man of God that's walked the earth in this century. I mean, he just like 
goes to a stadium and all these people come and he preaches for like a half hour and everybody in the world gets saved. And he's like, just ridiculous, okay? But if you stood next to Billy Graham before Jesus, you know what, you know what Jesus would say to both of you? You're both sinners apart from the salvation that I offer. Wait, this great man of God, this man of God, I mean, he probably memorized most of the Bible. I mean, this, this amazing man that loves Jesus and has been used in such amazing ways, he would look at both me and Billy Graham and say, both equally lost. And so if you've been ruling yourself out from a relationship with Jesus because you just think you're too bad and you think you've just done too much, he'd be shocked if he knew what you actually did when no one was looking. Then you're in good company because every single one of us falls into that same category tonight. And so you have a God who said, hey, I want to rescue them by faith apart from observing the law. So group one, you can stop living in fear. You can stop striving. You can stop trying to balance out the wrong with the right. Group two, there's an undeserved grace that you don't deserve and I don't deserve and group one doesn't deserve, even though they may still think they do. But you know what? This undeserved grace is 100% available to you. And so I hope you're not ruling yourself out. And here's the amazing thing about this grace is some of you are thinking, sweet, man, this guy's basically just giving me a free pass. Like I come to Jesus, I could do whatever I want and God's just gonna keep on forgiving me. Well, here's the amazing thing about a genuine relationship with Jesus is when you see him and you get the wow factor and you see how amazing he is and his love for us is, suddenly your heart begins to change and you want to begin to do things that will please him. You don't do it to get anything from him. You, get, you do it because you've already gotten so much from him. When I do something to bless my wife, like I was walking through Costco this past week, and guys, this is big, this is big. You ready, you ready, you ready? Flowers, boys, flowers, right? There was this big thing of flowers, and so I grabbed the flowers, and I walked out, and I hit them, and the kids were like looking out the car, like, who dug up my flowers? I'm like, shut up. You know, I went in, and I was like, hey, honey, you know, and you know what? I didn't do that so that she'd cook me a great meal that night. You know, like, here's the flowers, okay, pasta, you know, like, like, no, I did that because we're in a love relationship, and because now of that love relationship, I want to bless and please and honor her. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus. When we begin to say, wow, God, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to stop looking at porn because I want you to like me. I'm going to stop looking at porn because you like me. You love me. I'm going to surrender this addiction to you. I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to stop cheating. Not because I hope someday you'll accept me, but because I have your acceptance. God, I, I love you and I'm so blessed. And you know what the amazing thing is? You will probably tell God you'll never look at porn again and you may just do it again. You may fall again later that week, later that month, later that year and you come back to him with a heart of true love and you go, God, I messed up. I love you. I I told you I'd never do it again. I told you I'd never make that mistake again. But God, thank you that your mercy is fresh today. God, from here on out, would you give me the strength? Would you be working on my heart? I submit this issue to you. God, please help me. And you have a God that readily 
accepts you back. In fact, when you look at the porn and you go hiding, you have a God that's not just waiting like, you know, like your dad and mom used to sit on the front porch when you were late coming home and they're looking at their watch. Like, no, you have a God who's out pursuing you out there while you're running away from him. And so it's this beautiful grace. And the grace changes you. And the grace makes you more and more like Jesus, but we still stumble sometimes. And then the grace picks us up and forgives us, and then we become more and more like Jesus. And it's this beautiful process and this amazing relationship. And so what I want you guys to know tonight is that salvation is necessary and offered to all. It's necessary, group one. It's offered to all, group two. You need it, group one. You're not ruled out, group two. Because all of us before God have fallen short, but he made us right apart from the law, apart from the rules. And he just wants to come into your life and my life and he wants us to trust and rest in him and find him responding in our lives and changing and transforming our hearts. I hope that's been clear. I don't know how you've heard the message of Jesus talked about before. But my goal tonight was really one thing. I just wanted you to know clearly what this message actually is. That's what the Bible says from the beginning to the end. That's what it's all about. And so I hope tonight now that you've seen it clearly, you just might respond. Because the day came where for me as a do-gooder and as somebody who would punish himself and discipline himself when I messed up and the day came where I began to realize that I didn't have it and I needed to rest in my Savior's arms. And yes, discipline's a good thing. It's a good thing to, again, get closer to God and do the right things and out of a love for him, honor him and see addictions like pornography and, and alcoholism and all these things broken off our lives. That should be happening. But tonight, I hope you see that his love for you is huge and it's real and he desires this amazing relationship with you and that's what happened for me and there was such freedom in it i didn't have to straighten the pillars so to speak of my life anymore no before him it just was what it was and he was working on my heart and he still is today and will be till i take my last breath pastor bravone far from god strung out on drugs marriage ended thrown out of his house. The grace of God found him and he responded and God rebuilt his life and, and he's a man of God. He's a man that I can say loves Jesus and his marriage is one of the best I've ever seen and that was just simply him coming to terms with the fact that though he'd done terrible things in his life, that he was no more lost than a guy like me and we both, by God's grace, put our faith in Jesus and God has been doing amazing things in our lives. And we're not perfect. But when we fall, the grace is there to lift us back up. And as we walk with Jesus, the grace is there to continue to change us so that we fall maybe a little less. And so tonight, I don't know where you are, but I hope this clear message, and maybe it wasn't so clear, but it was the best I got for tonight. I hope it just hit you right where you needed it. And I hope no matter you're in group one or group two, you would see that this salvation is necessary and is offered to all. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that this salvation is necessary. That's a beautiful thing to come to terms with. The fact that we need a Savior, what an amazing 
amazing revelation because now we get to rest in you. We get to stop striving. God, thank you that this salvation is offered to all. That you're not looking for good people to save. But that you love us, God. And that whether we may have put ourselves in group one or group two tonight, your heart beats passionately for us. I thank you, God, that you respond. I thank you that we don't wait until the day we die to find out if this is true or real. But as we rest in you now to make us right, to reconcile our relationship with you, that, God, we find such tremendous peace and hope and life change. And so I thank you. If you're in group one, maybe tonight you realize you need a savior. If you're in group two, maybe tonight you realize you could have a savior. And so what I'd love to do now is just lead us in a prayer that you can pray silently. It's between you and God. I'm not going to have you stand up at the end. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you fill out a card or do any of those things. This is about you and God, your heart and his heart. If you want to put your faith in Jesus today, then I encourage you to pray something like this, silently. Jesus, thank you that I need you. And thank you that this salvation is available to me. Tonight I'm choosing to put my trust in you. I'm choosing to rest my life and my eternity in your hands. I thank you for this gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and being the sacrifice. Thank you for being where I deserve to be. And so I trust in you as my Savior and my God. Would you show me how amazing a relationship is with you? Would you let me revere you? Would you fill me with wonder and awe at all that you are, God? Tonight, maybe you didn't feel to pray that prayer, and that's okay. I'm not here to twist anybody's arm. I want you to just be real with God. And maybe tonight you said, you know what? I don't really buy this yet. That's okay. I would encourage you to just do a couple things. One, I would encourage you to to maybe take a little bit of a step that may be uncomfortable for you and just pray. Just pray something like this. God, if you're there, would you just show me? No harm done. If God's not there, he won't show you. But if God is there, you you might just find he'll respond. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is to keep coming back. Keep exploring. And maybe you don't like our church. Maybe the music's too loud or whatever, but we'll help you find a great church you love where you can continue to explore what you believe about God. And so I'd encourage you that. Don't let, don't let your, your questions and the things that may keep you from God stand in the way of continuing to look deeper.